Young Jack says hi, Ina, to his new family in Africa, but doesn't have time to monkey around as his training gets started. The chief wasn't lying when he said it would be hard work, but Jack's no cheetah and puts in the time to learn all that he can. His troubles won't flamingo away, though, as some scary invaders attack his tribespeople and tiger them all up. Jack has to save them all, but is he brave enough? I know he can do it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Back to the cast. Gotta recap. It is episode 51. Nick Montagani, I'm here with Brendan Riley. Brendan, a, a pleasure to be podcasting with you today. Yeah, episode 51. 51. What are famous 51s? The only one I can think of is Area 51. Yeah, yep. I guess that would be it. Brendan, I have a very important update based on something that we discussed a little bit in last week's episode. Okay. Uh, that's going to affect the canon of the Gotta Recap podcast, so. Oh, wasn't there a movie you were supposed to watch or something? Is that what it is? Brendan, I have seen The Fifth Element. Ah, uh, hell yeah. <laughs> I found it streaming. It was streaming on Amazon Prime. Yep. Only for a few days, though. I think they've since lifted it from Amazon Prime. Oh, you got there right on time. It. Yeah, I, I, I got it in under the wire, but the fifth element, I have watched the entire thing. Nice. How do you feel about it? It was totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just okay. Yep. You got, you got Lilu. I think that's her name. I think the problem was is I don't know what I was expecting. Like yeah, I, I can see that. I think I thought it was more of like a very hardcore sci-fi, like straight by the number sci-fi thing, like a like a Battlestar Galactica, like that heavy level of like sci-fi lore and world building and <clears> like <throat> crazy alien races and like all this stuff. I thought it was that and like I was kind of pumped up to get into something like that. Like a like a Dune kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Kind of something like that. Um, nope. It's very like a Blade Runner kind of thing. It kind of started that way a little bit. I mean, I guess maybe <laughs> minor spoilers for a 25-year-old movie that many people have already seen at this point. But, like, the opening of the movie where, like, there's the aliens that touch down in Egypt and they're like, we will be back to save you from the evil and, like, mm -hmm. talking about what the fifth element was and all that shit. I was like, hell yeah, I am on board for this sci-fi movie. And then cut to, like... 10 minutes later and Bruce Willis is like, I'm a, I'm a fucking taxi driver in New York city, baby. Yeah. Things are tough out here. Oh, oh, hold on a second. A sexy lady. Hubba <laughs> hubba. I really like the, when he's, he's trying to quit cigarettes. So his dispenser gives him cigarettes with like three inch long filters and like a tiny bit of mm -hmm. tobacco at the end of it. Yeah. That's a good, I bit. thought that was very funny. Uh, but mostly, yeah, it's just like an action movie, kind of somewhat space opera. I didn't know that it was, yeah, more of like an action comedy than <laughs> like a hardcore sci I really thought it was like hardcore sci-fi. Oh, no, not at all. No, <laughs> It's not. And then the fifth element is love. It was love the whole time. Fucking lame. Should have been something <laughs> um, cool, like unobtainium. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just guns. <laughs> the fifth element is guns. Guns. <laughs> Um, I, but, oh, oof, what a cast though. Like the opening credits of the movie, I was like, whoa, hold on a second. Okay. Bruce Willis. That's, that's interesting. Ian Holm. Oh my goodness. Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker's character is great in that movie. Chris Tucker's character is insane. I, I love it. I did not see that coming. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've seen Chris Tucker and anything. He was anything, in. Yeah. He was in that movie Silver Linings Playbook with Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. That was a pretty good movie. Eh, um, see it? 
looked like a sports movie. <laughs> it was not a sports movie. It was like a romantic comedy. Uh, even worse. Uh, more, maybe more of like a romantic dramedy. So maybe that's even worse. Yeah. Than yep. You're, it just keeps going. Down I'm down. less and less sold on this. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, yeah. The Fifth Element. It was okay. I don't like those kind of like cheesy action comedies from like the 80s and 90s. Oh, like no? I'm, I, a lot of that's not really my style, mm. I think. I think it's a um, good time. Uh, it's not my favorite movie. Like some people seem to hold it in really high regard. I think it's a good movie, but it's fine. I think that's why I thought it was like a different movie than it was because I thought people were like, what a pillar of sci fi movies. And like, that's no, not. No. The, I think. I didn't even like I didn't even know Bruce Willis was in it. Like oh, I really I think the only person I knew who was in it was Gary Oldman. Yep. Yep. And what about who is who plays Lulu? Mia Jovovich? I didn't know she was in it either. I literally knew nothing about the movie, clearly. Oh. I have from the loot crate, when that was still a thing, I have the multi pass <laughs> with like her ID in it. That's kind of fun. Yeah. I have a lot of those. I actually, I've, I've downsized a lot of those, yeah, loot crate tchotchkes. Like, yeah, I, 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 they were I piling up. a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. No room for that kind of stuff anymore. No room for that in my life. Um, but you know what I do have room for in my life is episode 51 of Samurai Jack. Ooh. Shall we recap it? Yeah. Watch it. Episode 51 of Samurai Jack, titled Young Jack in Africa. So right out the gate, we know we're dealing with a flashback episode, something we haven't had in a while on this show. Not since uh, the one where he goes to Egypt and is fighting the, the set's minions. Yeah, and even that one was not. This is definitely, I think, the most substantial expansion we've ever had on like Jack's past, specifically his time during the opening montage. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had yeah bits and pieces of that in some episodes, like Jack the Monks and the Ancient Master Son had a little bit of that in there. But this is from top to bottom. Yeah, we're going to be spending time with young Jack, his entire time training in Africa, which mm-hmm. is an exciting proposition, I think. It is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it, although it does kind of change the uh, opening montage a bit. Uh, given the events that we see unfold in this episode mm-hmm. that didn't like weren't even really hinted at in the opening montage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's good to see more. I'm always down for these. This is. Yeah. I mean, we only have one episode left of the <laughs> original run of Samurai Jack. So this is likely the last time we will ever get to spend time with young Jack on his adventures. So let's let's get right into it. Let's do it. Young Jack in Africa. September 25th, 2004, as we mentioned, part of that uh, series-ending four-part marathon that occurred on that that day. This is the third of the four episodes that aired that day. Uh, the opening of this episode is basically just the beginning of The Lion King. Yep, essentially. Um, the sun rising over the African plains and like lions and elephants and Every other safari animal that makes an appearance at the beginning of the Lion King, like runs around. They got to get to their their markers. Right. We got to stand on location and then bow before our new prince. (laughs) Uh, There is a prince arriving, actually, uh, to this African land. Um, There are two horses galloping through the desert. And some music kicks in. And what's fun is it's actually the same exact music that we heard from the opening montage in the first episode of Samurai Jack. Yeah, that is um, fun. It's fun. Yeah, like they they actually pulled the same music. They pull a few things from that opening montage, which is also not the first time they've done that. Mm-hmm. Like mixing in that old footage with the new footage. Um, But the music that it is is, is, is exactly like the right period from that montage they're, they're playing the music uh, from when Jack was with the uh, Arabian man teaching him how to ride horses. Mm-hmm. And the two of them are riding horses through this desert as that same music plays behind them. Um, they approach that African village that, that Jack 
arrived at during his montage. And again, it's the same music. It transitions the same exact way it did from that Arabian music into like the African music, which I think is fun too. Yeah. It's a nice touch. Yeah. Just like I said, new footage mixed in with old footage of Jack meeting the chief of the African village, like the Arabian man doing the handoff and, and Jack meeting this guy. There's, there's new footage of, of that meeting. Um, but young Jack, he seems to be very nervous to be in a new place, which I'm sure he probably was like every single stop of the way. Oh yeah. Child. Yeah. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know how long he'll be there. No. And I'm not even clear how long he is here by the end of the episode. It seems like it could be a while. It seems like it could also have been like five days. I imagine he's there for a while. Um, given what we see of like his relationship with the chief's son. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not really made clear at all. No. Um, but yeah, he's, he's here now. Um, this was, yeah, the third stop on his montage tour just before ancient Egypt, which mm-hmm. like you mentioned, we've seen in another episode. So yeah, I don't know <laughs> the time traveling aspect of that montage. It really bothered me. That was like the very first thing that ever bothered me on this show was <laughs> the, the time traveling. It just didn't make sense. All these different time periods he was hopping between. Yeah, I didn't even, it didn't even register that these things didn't happen at the same time for me. But I guess this African village is kind of like a place out of time. I mean, I, I don't not, <laughs> it's, it's not like it's happening in a frozen plane. Like I just made it up to be, but like it's, it's not, yeah, this is maybe not like, at least not that I can recall, like any sort of specific historical time period that right, Jack yeah. has found himself in here. Um, <laughs> but he certainly did hop thousands of years backwards in his next stop to ancient Egypt. But we don't have to belabor that point any longer. Um, the African chief addresses Jack. He's uh, having watched the show enough to this point, Brendan, uh, we should e- be able to easily identify the voice actor of the chief as Kevin Michael Richardson. Yep. A Samurai Jack all-star, to be sure. For sure. And he mentions that Jack looks just like his father, the Emperor, uh, which makes Jack frown. Um, and the chief knows exactly why. And he, he mentions the mere fact that Jack is even there can only mean a single thing. He says, Aku has returned. Yeah. So the implication with that to me is that after the birth of evil, Jack's father went around the world setting this up like as the plan, like all these people knew that if Jack showed up, this is what it means. This is what we need you to do. Yeah. We, we don't really get like a comprehensive description of like the exact plan that the emperor set forth. Um, but we do at least get like a little bit of background mm-hmm. as to like, as to what Jack's dad did after Aku came back. Um, So it is, it is good to like, at least yeah, get, get like a little bit of context as to like, how how Jack is so easily able to go on this opening montage of training around the world. It's like good to at least know that like someone thought of that yeah. at some point. Um, it would have been cool. I think it would have been cool to see the symbol uh, of Jack's order, like his family, like yep. that the diamond with the lines cut on either side. It would have been cool to like see that represented in other cultures in the world. Like if they had that, like on some of the huts in this village, but I don't think we ever do get to like see that anywhere no, else we but don't. his homeland. It would be kind of neat though, like as like a, a representation that they're all part of like the same thing. Yeah, like maybe a secret, this is secret order symbol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what this thing represents. Is like yeah, the the global. It's the Illuminati. Really, yeah, <laughs> I think it's what they're all the the I mean, like Aku a, haters club. <laughs> the original Knights Templar was <laughs> Jack's dad and his friends. Um. Yeah, he says Aku has returned and young Jack clenches his fist and the chief smiles down at him and holds out his hand and Jack places his hand uh, into the chief's. Um, The chief shows Jack around the village and the people of the village uh, and leads him to his hut where he'll be staying. And he says, your training begins tonight. And Jack is standing in this hut kind of unsure of his surroundings, but then he's startled and jumps away as he sees like all of these African masks hanging around the tent. It's very spooky for his young mind. Mm -hmm. 
and he shrinks down into a ball and like curls up and just kind of sits there until nighttime alone. <laughs> oh, I know. Poor little guy. Um, it's nighttime and here comes the chief to get Jack and he sits down in the hut and uh, he just basically, yeah, spells out that whole plan. Your father, the emperor, shortly after you were born, gathered together the chiefs of all the great tribes of the world. We devised a plan. A plan that would prepare you for the ultimate battle against the ultimate evil. A coup must be destroyed, and only you can wield your father's magic sword. Together, you are the one instrument that can stop this evil. And it makes me wonder yeah, exactly what the emperor said to all of the great chiefs of the tribes of the world. Like, what did he tell them that everyone was like, oh, shit? Yeah, like, we better get on board with this. I probably just told them about what happened with Aku during the birth of evil. Like, hey, shit went down. It was rough. He might have sounded like a madman to all of these chiefs. <laughs> you got to really take him at his word, I guess. Yeah, they, he must have he must have done something to earn their like respect in some way, maybe he, yeah, arm wrestled every single one of them <laughs> and yeah, sort of put them all, yeah, got them all into submission and, and yeah, kind of dominated them. He's got his, his real alpha traits came out when he got everyone together for this big meeting. Yeah. Um, the chief says to Jack, tonight, you will become one of us and uh, reaches for some clay pots that are hanging from a staff. Again, like Rafiki from The Lion King. Yep. I tried to do the research into like what maybe this is actually like referring to, like, because clearly Rafiki painting from the pots hanging from the staff is the exact same thing that the chief is doing right now. I tried to look up like if there was a word or a term for that. I couldn't find anything, but I try. I really did try. I believe you. I did a lot of I, this is one of my most heavily researched episodes, I think, in quite some time. So hmm. get ready for some fun facts down the road. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> They're very fun. <laughs> um, he paints three marks on Jack's face. Uh, one of them he calls the lion, which symbolizes courage. Another one is rain, which I guess symbolizes both life and death. Mm -hmm. And then puts one dot on his forehead, which is the sun, which represents Jack himself. And he says the light against the coming darkness. So Jack's all tatted up and like a part of this family. Now. Oh, yeah. He takes Jack out of the hut to this celebration that's happening outside. The entire tribe is gathered around a roaring fire. And there's like heavy drums pounding and lots of dancing and like ceremonial garb. It's a real big party. Out yeah, here. I really like the two the two guys in like the straw costumes dancing by the fire. <laughs> yeah, just like bending back and forth at like <laughs> 90 degree angles. It's very yeah. funny. They were really going for it. Um, Jack sits down next to this pouting little boy who makes it very clear to Jack that the chief is his dad. And one day he'll be the chief. And you are nothing to me, stranger. <laughs> I run shit around here. The chief refers to Jack as this boy's new brother. And the boy sasses his father. And uh, the chief scolds him for that and tells him to show Jack a little respect. Mm -hmm. To which the boy sulks. And so does Jack. Like, he doesn't fit in yet. And he doesn't want to be. It seems like he doesn't want to be the source of, like, strife between this boy and his father. Like, yeah, he already feels out of place. And now he's got this kid making him feel worse. Like, yeah. Um, but the camera pulls out from this this celebration going on in the fire in the middle middle of the village some ominous music plays as there's shadowy figures watching the festivities from beyond the village i wonder if they'll reappear later in the episode probably not unlikely yes just some <laughs> pe peeping toms wanting to yeah watch watch on this party from afar but never jump in you know they're not party crashers <laughs> the wallflower tribe <laughs> The voyeur tribe <laughs> um, cuts to the next day and Jack begins his staff training, which is really the main purpose of his stay here in Africa is to, is to learn the ways of the staff. The chief puts on a demonstration of the five fighting styles that they use here in this village, which are, of course, the cheetah, the monkey, the snake, the scorpion and the antelope. Mm hmm. 
which is fun because the chief, like the the moves of each of those those different styles are reminiscent of like the animal that they're named after. The antelope is good because he just jumps around all over the place. <laughs> um, it is fun though, like seeing the chief do these moves because like Jack really took this training to heart. I think because there are many other times in the show where we see Jack doing like staff routines like when he taught all the monkeys how to do it and jack learns to jump good Mm -hmm. like this specific part of his training it seems like yeah really struck a chord with him i think yeah he definitely has like a a respect for for this tribe and like the prince and the the chief right yeah it it's like maybe i mean we'll never know because we're not going to get to see like the rest of his his time spent during the montage but it does seem like this was very much like one of the biggest like families that he kind hmm. of became a part of during during his time, I think. Although I don't know, we don't know how much of a brotherly bond he forged with Robin Hood during his time <laughs> with Robin Hood. Maybe yeah, they were thick as thieves. <laughs> you bastard! I like to think <laughs> that his relationship with Robin Hood would have been more of like a rivalry kind of thing, or not like a rivalry, but like a like a teenagers showing off to each other, trying kind to of one up each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, they were each like seeing how precise they could shoot their arrows. Yeah. At a certain point is very boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Jack, he's ready to start training. Uh, the other warriors of the village are sparring with each other, uh, but none are sparring as particularly uh, energetic as the chief's son and Jack. They are locked in like a very heated battle. They knock each other around a few times and both look like angry, like trying to just beat the hell out of each other. And they smack their staffs together one time, which stings their hands, and they both drop their staffs. And now that they've dropped the staffs, they just run at each other and start fist fighting. <laughs> so they're getting out, yeah, all of this aggression from the very first training session. They're, they're ready to get at each other. Oh, yeah. The chief shuts that shit right down. And shakes his head at them. He's so disappointed. And walks away. And the two boys stare at each other for a moment. Uh, but then smiles creep across both their faces. The chief's son lets out a hearty laugh. And Brendan, they're friends now. Oh, that's how it works. That's all it took. And I don't know what it is. Anytime I hear like a child's laugh in a cartoon, all I can think of is the opening for uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon. With all the kids <laughs> laughing. Every single that's, time. That's such a specific I'm like, it, it always sounds like that laugh to me. I'm like, are they just reusing? Is it like one recorded child's laugh they have for everything? Oh, man. Yeah. It's like they have recycled uh, cop radio chatter, like the 2319. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a specific reference, Brendan. But I mean, I totally understand. I, I know yeah. the exact laugh that you're talking about. Every too. single time. I don't know what it is. I'm sure none of them actually sound like it. No, but it's that not. recorded child's laugh. I'm like, this has to be a stock sound effect, like the Wilhelm scream. It's like a joke that, that people do now. You know, back in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, the royalty free uh, sound effect libraries were much smaller than they are today. <laughs> So everyone kind of had to borrow the same thing. You know, just recently on one of our episodes, I inserted some cricket sound effects Mm -hmm. uh, into the background of the intro. And I listened to another podcast recently that also had cricket sound effects in the episode. And I went, oh, I think they use the exact same sound effects that I did. But also like, no, they didn't. Crickets just sound like that. That's just what crickets sound like. Yeah, (laughs) that's just cricket (laughs) noise. It's like, oh, we we went to the same exact resource. I definitely is not what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon, they're friends now. Jack and the boy, hell yeah. The chief son takes Jack on a journey all to all of his favorite hangout spots in Africa, all the places he likes to chill out. Mm-hmm. Um, they climb up a big hill and look over out over this vast plain with a bunch of animals and like rivers and streams and Mount Kilimanjaro off in the distance. Just hanging out. Yeah, just sitting there, you know, like Mount Kilimanjaro is known to do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They race each other 
on the backs of giraffes, which there's no way that actual giraffes would ever let that happen. There's a lot of interactions that these young boys have with animals on the African plains that would have resulted in certain death. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I can think of one specifically that I was like, oh, my God, why would you ever do that? Well, they are also swimming on the backs of hippos, which I'm pretty sure hippos are known to be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Aren't those known to be like actually like the most dangerous animal on the planet? Those hippos could have swallowed those kids whole. Yeah, or just like crushed them under Mm -hmm. their mighty hippo weight. Um, Yeah, hippos are nasty animals. I mean, I love looking at them, but I would not want to be too close to one. No. Um, Yeah, they... They're going on this trip together. They're having a good time. They're forming their their brotherly friendship. Uh, this episode has done the right thing, Brendan, uh, where they've made they've made the correct choice to not have young Jack actually speak a single line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Totally the right choice. He does laugh a couple of times, um, but never speaks, which is was one of my biggest problems with uh, the Jack and the. Minions, that was not the name of the episode, but I keep going back. Jack and the Scarab. Uh, Jack and the Scarab is what that was called. Uh, And yeah, something about young Jack speaking in that episode did not sit well with me at all. Mm. But this time around, yeah, he's the silent protagonist that uh, I I expect him to be. You know, he's a young boy. He's got to speak when spoken to, young man. Yeah. Somebody must have said that to him in this village, and he went, (laughs) okay. And then they said, don't say, okay, I told you not to speak. And then they hit him with a staff. But you spoke to me. It's just, yeah, never ending. <laughs> um, the two boys are stargazing uh, from the roof of one of the huts. Uh, young Jack looks up and sees a constellation of his parents smiling down at him. Um, and he starts to cry. And again, like we said, you know, it's only the third stop on his training montage uh, it seems like it's been a little while because he seems to have grown a little bit mm-hmm. since he left his home as a boy. Um, but, you know, so it's probably been a few years since that happened. And it will seemingly be many more years until he ever gets to see his parents again, which is, yeah. you know, a sad, sad thing to remember about this time in Jack's life. Uh, they continue their training. Jack's learning all the different styles. We see him kind of mastering them. Uh, they fuck around with more dangerous animals like cheetahs and lions and elephants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like these these boys are dead. <laughs> oh man, um, Jack is getting more comfortable in his new surroundings. Like, there's another scene of him stargazing, but he doesn't have like the sad visions of his parents. So, like, he's starting to kind of like feel yeah more more at peace mm-hmm. in this this current location. Um. The most important training he goes through in this entire episode, there's about two seconds of him learning how to play the drums. Yeah, which he never does again. No, it's never brought up in another episode. <laughs> and clearly, you know, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Let's see him you know, bust out a solo, hit some cymbals. I'd like to see an episode where Jack joins a jam band. Oh, yeah. They start yeah playing fish covers. <laughs> oh, That'd God. be radical. <laughs> Jack joins, yeah, Jack joins the Dave Matthews band. Um, I would watch it. Yikes. I would probably watch it, yeah. But only for like five minutes, and then I'd have to shut that off real quick. <laughs> um, yeah, it cuts to commercial from here. So yeah, it's an uplifting montage that we just went through. Um, a montage within a, within a montage. Oh my God, we need to go deeper. And we're as deep as we can get with these montages, I think. <laughs> Um, cuts back from commercial. Jack is sleeping, uh, beneath the stars and there's the sound of screaming coming from somewhere in the village. Um, those shadowy figures who were watching them before have arrived and start torching like all of the huts in the building. Mm -hmm. All of the huts in the building. I just said, yeah, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna call you out for it. Just gonna let it go. (laughs) All Um, the huts in the village. All the huts in the village is a better way to describe that. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe he had like a model village inside of one of his the huts. Ooh. So they were burning all the model huts that were inside of the other hut. I just talked about a montage within a montage. And now I'm talking about buildings inside of buildings. Oh, my Ooh, God. boy. We need to go deeper. My brain is exploding. <laughs> it's it's 
it's falling in on itself. <laughs> it really is. When I'm saying stuff like all the huts within the building, you know something's not going right <laughs> upstairs. Um, the entire village is engulfed in flames. Um, the tribesmen run in to fight these invaders with their staffs, but the attackers have these spinning blades that make very short work of their staffs. Brendan, more more on those spinning blades in just a minute. Oh, good. Those things are cool as shit. They're really badass, but uh, I, I'm, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. Um, the yeah tribesmen give up. They drop their weapons. They they know they have they've been defeated in this particular battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the attackers says to the others, "Find the boy," which is where I start to have questions about the lore of Samurai yep. Jack. Yeah. Uh, do these guys work for Aku? Uh, why do they want the boy? It, it it's very strange and and kind of raises an important point that if Aku really did send these attackers after Jack, then that means yeah that Aku even found out that Jack existed and had escaped his village mm-hmm. and would potentially be a problem. And then that would be an issue. Yeah, like he was get being trained to like defeat him one mm. day, which is something that Aku would not have known. Um, yeah, it's, un- it's unclear how he would have found that out and like, yeah, why he never sent more people after Jack in like the other remaining years between now and their confrontation in the first episode. Yeah. <clears throat> it might be simpler than that, though. It could just be this guy showed up with a king. He's clearly not part of this village. He's probably worth something to somebody like maybe they want to capture him and ransom him or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's totally fair. These people might not even, well, to this point, we don't know that they're in cahoots with Aku. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that again in just a little bit, but yeah, they, they might just, yeah. See, see some sort of outsider coming in and like wanting to know what's, what's up with that. Clearly. Yeah. Something important going Mm on. Yeah. The, uh, they're, they're trying to find the boy, and Jack runs and hides in one of the huts, and the attacker follows after him, um, walks in and kind of looks around, but doesn't see Jack hiding in the roof, mm-hmm. and walks out. Uh, Jack hops down, but then this person re-enters the hut, and uh, Jack hides behind one of these masks. Um, this person, they, they've got a torch with them that is illuminating their face, it's a very sinister looking African man with a red robe and a pointed red hat with like little tassels on it and stuff. Yeah. So here we go, Brendan. Here's some notes for you. All right. They, these people are very much based on the people of the uh, Edo state, I think is how that's pronounced, uh, in Nigeria. Okay. Um, if you look that up. On Google, you will find that their outfits are directly lifted from something which I think is called the Igwe Festival. Uh, And their spinning weapons that they have are what are known as ebon swords, which are purely ceremonial. They are not actually used ever, I think, as weapons. They they Hmm. are like a ceremonial weapon that is, is carried during this Igwe festival where they wear these these very specific red outfits. If you if you look it up, you will pretty much see these exact same people, except not with like razor sharp teeth and yellow eyes. <laughs> um, there's there's the research, Brendan. How did I do? Uh, pretty good. I can't confirm or deny any of that. I, I could have made all of that because I did not look into it. <laughs> I, I think it's a little for it though. I think it's a little strange that they like made the evil tribe based off of like this ceremony that happens like where people yeah are, don't normally dress this way and also don't actually use those weapons as weapons to hurt people. I think it's a little weird that like they lifted those elements into like the sinister baddies. Yeah. In this episode. Yeah. Which, you know, you know, <laughs> <laughs> definitely a cool weapon though and a cool design so it looks cool yeah yeah. i (laughs) I can see why they like decided to go with it but it might be a little uh insensitive 
And people, yeah, watching the episode are not going to do the exact research that I just did. So, like, nobody will ever know that fact except for people listening to this podcast episode. So, you know what, everyone? <laughs> you're you're welcome. And you're welcome, too, Brendan. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, but I guess it does raise the question, like, if Jack is currently <laughs> – I'm picking nits. Here we go. If Jack is currently in Nigeria, which I think we're led to believe because this very specifically happens in Nigeria, these, this this festival, um, Mount Kilimanjaro, which we know he went to, is in Tanzania, which is very far away, like many thousands of miles far away in Africa. Africa is a very large continent. It is, yeah. <laughs> so I guess – Maybe we're led to believe that these two boys ran on foot all the way from Nigeria to Tanzania. You know, I don't know. Or maybe these attackers came to them from Nigeria, but then I, yeah, I, I can't make the but distance work Jack in my mind. Follows them back home. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> my point. There's yeah too many logical hurdles that I don't think I'm going to be able to clear. <laughs> you just have to, to just have to accept it. Yeah. Just <laughs> again. They didn't think that anyone would be doing the research, and most people won't, but nope. I couldn't let it go. <laughs> That's what we do here. That's what this podcast is all about, and we thank everyone for putting up with it. <laughs> that's that's what people want to hear when they're listening to a podcast, is we think <laughs> that people are putting up with us talking about this. And we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, we apologize for doing what we're doing. Anyway, uh... This person drops the torch in the hut, which, you know, starts to light up and, and they walk out. Jack grabs one of these masks and busts his way through the side of the wall to get out of this burning hut. Um, and watches that rival tribe carrying his own tribe's people away in cages. Um, so Jack is, yeah, the, the lone man on the outside who's got to go save his, his new family. Jack... Yeah, just like you said, the very next scene, he is observing this rival tribe's village from a distance. Um, so, <laughs> uh, traveling on foot, you know, be damned. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe uh, they teleported there. That's the only thing that would make sense to me as to how this all happened so quickly, is they yeah. were just able to teleport. Or we just skipped weeks of travel. They were all yeah. on foot, too. It's not like Jack couldn't keep up. This is... True. Yeah. Maybe the next. Yeah. Maybe these two scenes took place months apart. <laughs> Unsure. Um, but yeah, he's looking at that tribe's village. It's these large towers made of mud, which again, Brendan, uh, I, I saw is based on an actual place somewhere in Mali. So. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. This episode full of fun references. <laughs> That I'm full of incongruent African references. <laughs> just just kind of throw them all into a hodgepodge. It's the Africa episode. <laughs> all your favorites are here, uh, except for the Egyptians. He'll he'll be seeing them no, soon. Not yet. Um, yeah, Jack approaches the village. He's stealthing his way towards the front gate and uh, climbs up the outer wall and observes the rival tribe members kind of on patrol walking around. Um, hops down into the village and weaves his way through the buildings. Um, he bumps into some spikes that have skulls on the top of them. Very scary. Oh, yeah. He runs away and observes the rival tribe gathered around a fire, his own tribe locked up in wooden cages just beyond them. Um, very flimsy wooden cages that it seems like that many people might have been able to bust their way out of. Oh, yeah, for sure. But they they haven't tried at least to this point. Um, yeah, all of these these the rival tribe members are sitting around the fire, and a dark, twisted figure starts to take form in the fire. The great evil spirit has promised us great treasure if we deliver the little child of light skin. And yeah, the the vision that they see in the fire is Aku. So, yeah, these people are somehow, like, mm. agents of Aku. Like, Aku has specifically sent them on a mission to get the the young child of light skin. It's, it's yeah, I don't know. Because when Jack shows up to Aku in episode one, Aku is surprised, right? Like, he doesn't know, he doesn't who, know he who he is, is. Yeah. until he can smell his blood and then recognizes his father. 
Um, so yeah, it just uh, it it raises a lot of questions. It raises many many questions, um, including like why why didn't Aku just like go after Jack himself like that whole time? Is he not? Yeah, is he not powerful enough yet to like teleport around the world like he ends up doing later on? Or that's possible. We do know that you know from last week's episode, Tale of X Forty Nine. It took Aku. It, he slowly was taking over the world. It really mm. did, wasn't like an all at once sort of thing. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe he doesn't have that those powers yet. You know, maybe does he doesn't have enough agents like located in all these places around the world. Like he doesn't have enough underlings to mm. carry out his his dirty deeds. Um, except for this tribe, somehow he contacted and knew that Jack was here. So he knows where Jack is, but never goes for him this entire time. And then, yeah, just like you said, like is surprised when he shows up once Jack is a man. So yeah. it's just, I just, I, I don't know. It's yeah. Just, we'll just have to accept it and move on. It's what they did and it's what we're talking about. And that's just <laughs> the way it is. Nothing um, we can do about it now. Except for complain. <laughs> and we will. And we will, and we have, and we'll continue to. Um, Jack hides inside of a building and does see one of those swords uh, and drags it out of the village. It's it's very heavy. He can't lift it. He has to yeah, drag it behind him all the way out. Um, and for the rest of the night, he's just sitting and staring at this sword, just like thinking about what he's going to do with this freaking thing. I, I don't know if like, why, if you picked it up and it was super heavy, you would even bother continuing with it? Why wouldn't you just yeah. be like, no, this isn't going to work? It's like, oh, this will help me. Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll come oh, up with I can't a even lift plan. this fucking thing. You have to drag it for miles through this <laughs> African desert. Like, he would be exhausted. There's no way the next day he could carry out his plan of attack. But um, but he's sitting down and just staring at this thing, thinking about what that plan <laughs> of attack is going to be. Yep. Um does try to lift it up over his head, but yeah, just like topples over backwards under the weight of this thing. Um, he thinks on it some more and remembers that when these attackers showed up to his village, uh, they were spinning that weapon around over their head, which you're right, Brendan. It is super badass. It's fucking cool. It's a really cool <laughs> weapon. It's a really yeah cool idea that I don't even know if like that's the intended use of the actual thing. I mean, like we said, it's purely ceremonial, but like, I don't know if like the actual sword that they use in this actual festival, if they spin it around over their head like that, but if they do, it's fucking cool. Yeah. I'm gonna have to check it out. What's the name? What's the child's toy from our, our youths where you'd wrap it around your ankle and then spin it and then jump skip over it. it, skip it. Yep. And it would, it would have a little counter on it to show how many rotations it's done. And inevitably, you would hit yourself in the ankle, not being able to jump over it in time. And it would hurt like a motherfucker. Yep. Kids toys. They don't make them like they used to. Uh, they remember used to hurt. Shoes. They used to hurt you. <laughs> yes, I remember those as well. <laughs> you get your foot caught in it. <laughs> These things designed, yeah, to just crumple children. <laughs> just break ankles. <laughs> yeah, you got to get them started, you know, toughen them up while they're still young. So by the time they're an adult, they're bitter and hate life, just like you and me <laughs> both do right now. It uh, worked. Yeah, skip it, uh razor scooters, moon shoes, and pogo sticks. All children's, designed to just throw you on the ground. <laughs> children's torture devices. Yeah. yeah. Disguised as, as fun toys, but actually, yeah, wep weapons of, of children's destruction. <laughs> um. Yeah, he remembers that they were spinning it, the the this sword, and uh, thunderstorm breaks out as young Jack grabs the sword and swings it around above his head, and uh, he's pretty much figured it out very quickly. I'm not even convinced he would have the arm strength to even be able to spin it like this, but no. it's fine. I would like it if they did a scene where he started spinning it, and then the weight of it just like took him, and he just like yeah. <laughs> threw him off his feet. Flying through the air, like holding onto it, still like. Ooh. Well, he does kind of do that, a little bit. He uses it as a propeller a, f a few times. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> it's like a little go-go gadget sword. <laughs> um, he's yeah, he's pretty much figured it out by now. He's practicing the different fighting styles that the chief taught him, but he's mm -hmm. practicing them with this new weapon, which is kind of fun. 
Yeah, I liked that. Uh, it, like the the intercut scenes of the animals and then him like trying to recreate it. Yeah, it's it's a nice touch. Um, he hurls the sword and like strikes a tree with it. And Brendan, there's a little bit of shaky cam when he strikes the tree. Ooh. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Yeah. Just a little tiny bit. It's t- like a touch. And it, it's fine. When it's a, just a little bit, it's okay. Ever since we had our shaky cam problems back in <laughs> Jack versus the Ninja, I think we've only seen it maybe two or three times now. And yeah, each time it's been a little more tasteful, mm-hmm. a little more appropriate for the situation, I think. Yeah, so this one I- I'm willing to accept. Yeah. <laughs> but they try to pull any of that shit again, like they did in that that episode. <laughs> I think the big problem with it in that episode was that they also digitally zoomed in on things while they were doing it. Yeah. So like not only was it shaky, it was also really low quality. Yeah. The animation style like that. It wasn't high definition. So like they weren't ready to pull that kind of thing off. They wouldn't be ready for that for another few years in in animation. So maybe, you know, they were a little ahead of their time, Mm -hmm. Um, but it looked terrible. Yeah. Too early. That's the problem. (laughs) We cannot continue on with this conversation. I'm so sorry I let us uh, let us down this path. We're again. sorry. We're sorry. Thank you for putting up with us, everyone. <laughs> we're, we're sorry. <laughs> People, yeah, love hearing podcast hosts beg for forgiveness for, <laughs> for listening to their podcast. I feel like there's a podcast where they do it every episode. This, yeah, it got a recap, colon, a Samurai Jack rewatch <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Jack's ready for the fight. He grabs some mud and like paints his face up and uh, the sun rises on the next day and Jack arrives at the village and cuts his way through their wooden gate and stands ready to take them all on with his, his cool new sword. Um. But they all look at him and laugh at this foolish little boy who thinks that he can stand up to this tribe of sinister, yeah, yellow-eyed and sharp-toothed attackers. I'm not really sure what was up with that, too. That was also a little strange. That just they made them just like to make them look more evil. <laughs> they made them into, like, monsters. Um, but, yeah, they, they all laugh at Jack. Um, the chief of Jack's tribe... He uh, is scared and thinks that Jack's own defeat is imminent. Like this, he, it was foolish for him to try this. And yeah, he's he said he says no, knowing that this is not going to go the way that Jack thinks it is, or maybe it will. Yeah, who knows? Not Let's me. discuss it. Um, one of the rival tribesmen approaches Jack and attacks him, but Jack leaps out of the way, um, dodges some of his strikes, and then clangs that sword right down on top of his head. Mm-hmm. I like that since Jack is fighting like actual people in this episode, he never like cuts anyone. He just slaps them with the blade. Yeah, he just bonks them and it makes a big old clang <laughs> instead of, yeah, like hacking off their limbs and stuff, which seems like is very possible to do with these weapons. Yeah. So, but no, they yeah, these these are people we're talking about, Brendan. Jack would never kill a person. No, but I mean, I, I guess at this age, maybe he wouldn't. Um, I did read recently when I was doing a little research on like this uh, series ending four part marathon thing, I was reading a little bit about how Gendy Tartakovsky uh, specifically has had people talk to him about uh, the episode, uh, the princess and the bounty hunters Mm -hmm. about how specifically like a big part of Samurai Jack was, you know, as, as we were even just joking about right now, Jack is only ever killing robots, but he did call out that people are always mentioning to him that uh, Jack seemingly killed the gentleman Mm. in that episode, like sliced him with his sword. And the gentleman, as far as we know, was a human man made of of flesh like you and me. Yeah. Skin and flesh and fats. (laughs) So the, uh, yeah, the Genie specifically, yeah, having, having people mention that to him and he was like, Hey, you know, maybe he didn't die. But then he also kind of said like in the interview, like, or maybe he did. And Jack really did kill a guy. I don't fucking know. Like, stop asking (laughs) me about this nerds. Like, what does it matter? (laughs) You basically shut down, uh, stupid. Yeah. Fans nitpicking like you and me often. Like we do. Yeah. (laughs) If yeah, he ever came on this podcast, we, he would just fucking, pwn our asses for 
the entire interview and we would welcome it. We could just keep asking that question. Every other question would just go, but what about the guy he killed? <laughs> but also, did he ever kill anybody? <laughs> Ugh, why did I agree to this? Um, yeah, Jack, young Jack is not killing anyone. He is just bonking them with this sword. They all jump in to attack him. He avoids their attacks and gets a few hits in himself. Um, he blocks one of them is attacking him and he blocks their attacks, but it manages to cut through his little samurai ponytail. So we get the first canonical instant instance of Jack's wild hair falling out. I did kind of like that. I was like, ah, it's a fun little touch that that happens every fucking time. <laughs> Pretty much every episode. Yeah. This is the first time that ever happened to Jack and he, he took it in stride. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the tribesmen laughs at Jack's messy hair uh, and Jack cuts the top of his ceremonial hat off and then smashes his face in. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Fucking got him. That'll teach you. A gigantic brutish member of this tribe emerges. Uh, this mountain of a man wielding two of these swords, one in each hand. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack does not back down, but the other tribesmen encircle the two of them, leaving them in like a 1v1 duel. Mm-hmm. Um, the brute swings down at Jack, uh, and he manages to block the attack with his own sword, but his own sword uh, shatters to pieces. Um, the chief, Jack's chief, looking on as, as it seems that he's finished, but Jack pulls himself up off of the ground, gets he gets on all fours, and then growls at him like a cheetah. Yeah, I uh, thought that was really fucking weird. <laughs> It was so weird. He just makes, yeah, like a big cat noise. They literally, they literally just play a big cat growl, yeah. Uh, but he's a boy. But a he's a small boy. child. He's <laughs> a small human child making, yeah, this most realistic animal sound effect that any human <laughs> child has ever made. Um, somebody, yeah, might want to check in on Jack. This might have been, might have had some <laughs> psychological issues going on in this particular fight because he has lost his mind. Um, he's gone feral. He, he's completely, yeah. He runs around on all fours uh, and leaps up out of the circle. Um, the brute gives chase after him and leaps out in front of Jack, but Jack climbs up his arm and bites his hand. Mm-hmm. So Jack, yeah, he's gone f- fully primal now. <laughs> yeah, bites his hand and causes him to drop his sword, which Jack picks up and hurls it towards the brute who dodges it, but really it flies straight towards the caged up tribes people and severs the rope holding their cage together. They're very feeble cage made of wooden poles that probably could have, again, (laughs) just been easily busted through at any point, but they needed Jack to come save the day. (laughs) The wooden poles fall apart and they pick up the poles like their staffs that they had in the village and they join in on the fight. Um, The brute spots Jack through the crowd and runs to him, but the chief's son jumps in to protect Jack and uh, smacks the brute on the foot, and he lets out a big scream, and he's about to bring his sword down on the chief's son, but his attack is blocked by a staff, and Brendan, it is the chief himself. Oh, hell yeah. Everyone's getting in on it. Yeah, everyone gets to smack this brute around a little bit, Um, and yeah, he slugs him. He just takes his staff and, like, beats the hell out of him a little bit. The chief gets to have, like, his one very badass moment that you kind of always knew was coming. He seems like he's capable of, like, just really hammering someone oh, yeah. with that staff. Um, yeah, smacks him around and then, yeah, like, <laughs> slugs him straight out of the village, like, clean out of the village like a baseball swing, like he's Barry Bonds. <laughs> Does that work for you, Brendan? Nope. I know we've we've talked about it before, and I've already forgotten you everything you said. Barry Bonds was me. the one that you knew. I know the name and that guy <laughs> with all the home runs. That's him. Oh, <laughs> I don't fucking no! <laughs> God damn it! I gotta stop with the sports references. I wrote that one down for you, so you know what? You've let me down. Uh, I'm not sorry. <laughs> uh, great. <laughs> my whole energy is ruined and we're at the end of the episode uh, what end. happens what happens next uh, yeah they've won the fight Jack's tribe celebrates 
Uh, Jack is standing with the chief and his son. The chief looks down at him and says, I think your training here is complete. Mm -hmm. I'm not convinced that his training is complete. Like, it doesn't really seem like he kind of went through all of the training. No. Yeah. Unless the training was to be adept with any weapon that you pick up. Um, Or the training was like, as soon as you save everybody, like you're done. (laughs) Um, But in any case, yeah, Jack has graduated from this portion of his montage. Um, Him and the chief's son grab each other's arms in a big brotherly handshake. And there's one final shot of the son setting on the African plains just as it rose at the beginning of the episode. It sends it sets now at what is the end of the episode. Like we said at the top of the episode, uh, really, at least as far as the original run of Samurai Jack, this is the last kind of flashback episode that we're going to get. Uh, not to spoil what will happen on next week's episode, but it is not a flashback to Jack's childhood. Um, but it does have to do with childhood. Spoilers. Ooh. Um, but Brendan, what what did you think of young Jack in Africa? Uh, I thought it was fun. I liked definitely. I like when they go back and show more of like his training and his upbringing. Um, I don't think it was super like eventful. <clears throat> Excuse me. I did like a lot of the character designs, like the dancing people at the the festival the night that he got there. That was very fun. Uh, the bit where he's hiding behind the mask in the hut. And his like eyes fill the mask size. He's like watching the guy walk around in the hut. I thought that was kind of fun. And I really liked the montage bit where he's like training with this sword and it's like doing all like the jumps and like <laughs> flying around with it. Yeah, I, I think I'm a, I'm of a similar mind where like I, I I have said it's been a long time since I've gotten to say this because it's been a very long time since we've had like a flashback episode. But like the flashbacks, I think, are my favorite thing that ever happens on Mm. Samurai Jack. Um, So I was definitely happy to have this episode. Um, But it's not. Yeah, it's it's not really super eventful. It just kind of comes and goes like Jack Jack shows up here and swings his staff around and gets to hang out with lions and stuff and then hmm. saves the day and and that's it. It didn't really yeah, push any kind of plot forward or like kind of develop young Jack's character. So it was just I think it was a a totally just just fine episode. Yeah, I, it might have been like the first time he ever did anything like truly heroic, which is definitely like a milestone, something to Yeah. Like that's worth telling the story of. Yeah, kind of his first, yeah, big deed. That's true. That's a good point. Um, I, Brendan, mm-hmm. I don't think I really have anything else to say. No, there's not really much to this one. It was a good one, but like, it kind of is what it is. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't really feel like a lot for this episode other than like, okay, that was, yeah, that was fine. Yeah, it was better than when they did it with uh, Egypt. 100% agree. And that was not even like, that was... Only a portion of that episode. Just flashbacks within the episode. Yeah, it wasn't a whole yeah. thing. That was, I thought, actively bad. Um, <laughs> and other flashbacks, I think, have been actively good. You know, mm-hmm. Jack Remembers the Past is is still one of my favorite episodes of this show, personally. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this one landed somewhere in the middle of it. And yeah, I'm like out of <laughs> ways to describe how I felt about it. It's kind of, kind of where I'm at. Yep, I feel that. <laughs> Which is another odd thing where, like, I feel like a lot of the episodes in this season, like, we've been super hot on or, like, very cold on. And this one, like, is not, it's not that. I just, mm-hmm. like, yeah, all right. I'm glad we did that. Like, what's what's next? Yeah. I, I guess that I guess that's it. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. That's fine. <laughs> Episode 51, Young Jack in Africa. We think it was... Fine. It was an episode. It happened. <laughs> um, yeah, that episode 51, meaning episode 52 next week. You know, that is the final episode of the original run of Samurai Jack. Final episode here of season four. Yep. Uh, get excited for it, Brendan. Oh, I am very excited for it. Uh, and send in your, your top lists for the season, because we will be doing our recap of the season after next week's episode. 
Yes, gotta recap at gmail.com. Uh, let us know thoughts on Samurai Jack, but also, yeah, specifically like your thoughts on season four. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be sure to include those once we do our, our recap of the entire season very, very soon. Um, gotta recap at gmail.com is the address. Head to at gotta recap on social media to join the conversation there and head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Drop us a five star review. Uh, that would be tremendously helpful. So thanks for dropping that that review for us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And we're sorry. Um, I guess that's all we have to say here at the end of the episode is we're sorry for what we've done. Um, <laughs> we feel bad. We feel remorseful. And really, it is kind of like a sad thing that we that we even bothered making this <laughs> this episode. What a re- what a real shame. We'll fucking do it again. Uh, we've got to do it again, Brendan. We've got to do it at ele- eleven more times. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just kind of like the vibe I'm getting now after this episode. I'm just like I, I I'm like empty. I'm like I'm feeling a little empty. Not that I didn't have a good time, but like I just feel. It's like it's it's like a blank spot now in my mind is like this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and again, I'm I'm sorry that I feel that way. I'll try to be more interesting next week, I swear. Uh, let's end this pity party, Brendan. <laughs> all right. Episode 52 next week. We'll see you all then. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.